Listening Dog Media. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. My name is Hayley McQueen and joining me in the studio is Offside Rule stalwart Lindsay Hooper. <laughs> Thought you might like that. That was a bit of energy for you. I like Stalwart, by the yeah, way. I know, cool, huh? And making her podcast debut, it is Footy Pops host, London Bees coach, but most importantly, of course, known as Lioness Centurion. It is Rachel Yankee. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you, thank you. Do I go woo 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 woo? Too? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Probably better that, that than me from all your celebrating over the years. Uh, well. uh, also, uh, now, mum. And we have a mum here and a mum to be yeah, in you, Hayley. Cool. I'll be getting some tips after this. I'm clueless and I'm petrified. Ah, uh, don't worry. No. I w- I'm still clueless and <laughs> petrified. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, what have you been up to then, Rachel? How's life? I've been uh, I've been looking after the little one. Well, trying to. <laughs> yeah, coaching coaching the London Bees. So uh, that's good fun. And uh, just generally, just trying to live and, mm. and make do with everything that's going on in this hectic life. Yeah. <laughs> and what does that week look like for you with with London Bees training and everything? Because I think people are under the maybe false impression now that everyone's full time but of course you're not on that no schedule. no no the players still work full time they they have their their own jobs uh, you know obviously different jobs that they all do so they train on a, a Tuesday and Thursday evening doing the, the football and then other evenings doing like strength and conditioning and, and stuff like that it's a lot of commitment from them and it's difficult because some don't live necessarily in, in London or, or, or near to where we train them um, at the hive for London B so there's a lot of traveling it's hard to manage players that are, you know, working full time and, and, and obviously trying to juggle everything and making sure that they're, they're getting the right foods, the right rest. And then we're, we're getting the right sort of performances out of them on the training pitch. So it's good fun, but, it, but it's difficult. And squeezing in the media work as well, of course, popping into Sky <laughs> every now and again. I get to see you there, which is great. Hoops, you're at Loftus Road. Tell us about that. Then. So I managed to avoid a third nil nil in a row for the BBC because I was dreading it in all of the 
11 years that I've been reporting, I've never had three goalless draws in a row, but I got up to two, <laughs> back to Loftus Road. But thankfully, they beat Swansea 4-0. So I didn't have to just put my microphone down and just listen to everybody else, which tends to be what happens if there's no goals in your game. Absolutely. And I've just been on Sky Sports News all week, which has been quite nice. I didn't have any Scottish football at the weekend. Got a big five weeks coming up with the run into the end of the season but I got really into the golf at the weekend so I was full on oh, into the brilliant. Masters and you know what I put a bet on Tiger Woods Did Okay, you? I don't bet big I don't agree with betting big and gambling unless you can afford it I can't I bet £12 which I had left over from Cheltenham it's the only two things I've bet on all year and I won 204 quid and so my 197 and 204 with the money back. And I know. did you do Tiger Roll for the Grand National? No, oh. I did not. Could have done a double Tiger Tiger. Yeah, I was going to say there was Tiger <laughs> what an idiot. Although my bets that I did put on at Cheltenham, I forgot to go each way. So when I got a third and a fourth, I was thinking I was in the money, but I'd, I'd just backed them to win. I have no idea how to fill out a betting slip. Completely I actually useless. dragged because the Grand National is a bit of a tradition in our family. Yeah. So believe it or not, I had five grand national winners in a row from about 1993 wow. onwards so the first one was party politics there was royal athlete lord jeline i think i can't remember all of them but i had five in a row and it was complete fluke because i was that young that my granddad just used to make us do like a little mini 50 pence bet mm. and he was so annoyed because he was this expert in racing and had won all these different bets and then i went and got five in a row for five wow. years in a row but i've never won since Oh. Never one since. But I decided that I'd take all of Nat's family as we were on a, a day out around London and I, I took them into this really dark side alley where there was a betting oh, shop and I think one. they thought, where's she taking this? <laughs> and I got them to all put it on and actually Nat's mum got Tiger Roll. So oh, uh, there you go. So I felt responsible for them mm. having a little mm. win. I did once win on Red Marauder and that was one of the only bets I put on because the horse actually we used to see in the fields in the northeast up sort of near Crookway where an ex-boyfriend lived, one of the many. And uh, so I put it on that horse. So there you go, that one. I it's- reckon, by the way, Rachel would be a good jockey. Yeah, don't that's you? True. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> anyway, it's the, it's the only marauding that the Reds will be doing right now in terms of Manchester United. We'll get to them in a minute. I don't want to talk about them, but we're going to have to. We're going to be running through Europe in just a moment. Just a bit of a reminder as well. You can leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, just like this anonymous five-star reviewer wrote, I'm an idiot. That's a writer, not me. I mistakenly thought this was a podcast exclusively about women's football. Gave it a go, and it's actually a great podcast about all football. So there you go. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, it's all football that we're going to be talking about as we delve into the history books later on the Premier League managerial merry-go-round. We'll be talking the good, the bad and the ugly of football injuries following Celtic's Ryan Christie's shiner. If you haven't seen it, go and check that out. But be warned, it's pretty gruesome. It looks like Quasimodo. But there's only one place to start, and that is here. We're going to start at the Etihad, of course. It was one of the most insane football matches in the Champions League. I think it's one of the most insane ever seen. In fact, those four goals were scored. Optostat tweeted, so I've nicked it. Thank you very much, Opta. Fastest four goals ever scored in Champions League history. Mm. And uh, goodness me, I was on air building up to the game. Just as I left to go to makeup, to get a makeup wipe, popped out, already 1-0. Went to go and get my coat and get dressed. 
there'd been another goal. As I'd walked through the building at Sky to say goodbye to my colleagues, there'd been another goal. And I just kept hearing the celebrations erupt from the newsroom like every couple of minutes. I'd gone past a security guard to say goodbye and there was another goal. And by the time I'd got into the car... It was like two, two. I literally couldn't believe it. That, that's that's how my viewing went that evening. What a night it was, Lindsay. It was an incredible spectacle. I don't think we'll ever see anything like mm. that again. I have to say there was some suspect defending going on, wasn't there, in that first 21 minutes? I mean, it was exciting for the neutral. Great to hear all these goals going in. But when you actually broke it down and you had to do that at half time and wait for the, mm. the half time whistle because it was so electric, that half, that I don't think they even played any of the replays for so long no. of the goals. But when you actually look back, that there was some definite question marks over the, the defending for both teams. Mm. But I love the way that both of them took the game to each other. I missed the first goal because the kettle was boiling and I thought, oh, we've only just started. I'll just sit down. And then I heard it whilst I was in the kitchen. Ah! So it came back through. And I think that was the same for you, Rachel, wasn't it? You were like putting baby to bed. <laughs> we're all a nightmare, aren't we? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I was putting her to bed. I could hear the TV downstairs and I thought, I'm sure that just said Raheem Sterling scored. And I was thinking, oh, 1-0 City. This is going to be a great game. By the time she got to sleep, come down and it was about 22 minutes and I looked at the TV and it was 3-2 and I was like, uh, what? (laughs) So I thought, oh, I've missed the great game, but it turned out that I still saw the drama at the end. I I can't imagine what that must have been like for the players to to actually play. And I know you say suspect defending, but what quality attacking? Quality attacking, but also this VAR decision, which ultimately decided who went through, Mm. didn't it? And... The atmosphere in the stadium, the one thing that you can't deny, I mean, VAR obviously will give you a decision either way, but the way the atmosphere just changed mm. in that stadium, I, I mean, how do you how do you get over that? I know. Well, this is what Henry Winter said. Whoever said VAR would destroy the emotion of football should have been here. It actually intensified it and it produced the correct decision. But this is something we've been talking about. We've been talking about handball, was Mm. it, wasn't it? Rules are set to change again this summer, I believe. It's such a difficult one to read when everybody has differing opinions, Rachel. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, the the handball one, when you see it from what the referee, the angle the referee was looking at yesterday, Mm. I can understand why he, he kind of thinks, oh, maybe it just comes off the hip. But then if you look from a different angle, it quite clearly, in my opinion, hits the arm and then comes off the hip. The Aguero one was obviously more factual that it was offside. It just makes it dramatic and, and what a fantastic game of football it was. It was. It absolutely was. Spurs go through then. They'll face the uh, victors and what was probably the biggest shock of the week, you'd have to say. Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus crashed out at the Champions League to Danish giant beaters Ajax. Who'd have had Ajax down as succeeding in this tournament? They were 250 to 1 to win the Champions League at the start of the competition. Matthias Delit, the captain, goal scorer, he wasn't born the last time Ajax reached the last four. That was 1997. Oh my goodness, I was in college by then. He's just 19 <laughs> years old. The biggest name in their team sheet is a Frankie de Jong, who's off to Barcelona in the summer. Fears that the rest of the team actually might follow. A lot of Money could be coming into Ajax, which is something that they'll be quite grateful of, bringing these players up through the academy and cashing in on that as well. 
Oh, it's funny that you, you've mentioned Ajax straight away. Obviously, there's, they're going to be the next opponents for Spurs. And there's a nice link there as well, because Alderweireld, Eld, Vertonghen and Eriksson, they all came through the ranks at Ajax. So they're going back to their former club. I think Davinson Sanchez also spent a season there as well. So they've got those links between Spurs and Ajax. And the first leg is going to be the end of the month. And then... Amsterdam the second leg in early May. I know that everyone is talking about the young squad of Ajax and they have been sensational. You look at that 19-year-old centre-back who you mentioned, Delete, he's just brilliant. But I want to talk about the older the older players because no one's really doing that. Everyone's saying about how they're the youngest side that have come through and had such success. But let's talk about two key players in this team that are older. They're in our age bracket, ladies. They're in their 30s. I first of all want to talk about Dusan Tadic from Southampton. Mm. So, you know, £10 million, he's 30 years old. He's been deployed at Ajax in a slightly different role. So he's like a, a full striker, false number nine sort of role. And he's absolutely been in staggering form for them. He's been directly involved in 50 Ajax goals. He scored wow. 32 assisted 18. He scored six and set up three in the Champions League alone. And four of those goals, he's not even just saving them for the the lower minnows. He's scoring against Bayern, Real, Benfica. He's become a different player. And I wonder what Southampton fans are thinking, looking at this Dusan Tadic player that just looks unrecognisable from the one that they knew. Well, I think you you have to really credit Ajax and, and their foundations and what they've created because no matter of you know age they've created a culture where you can fit the experienced players and the younger players and make it work because sometimes new manager comes in they just want to out with the old in with the new and it's easier to to train and mold the younger players this is where you you're actually seeing a value in the people i'm sure when they look at who they're going to bring in it's more about the character of the person mm. and again you know if they're going to lose players and and you know the, the club if they're selling them on they'll produce more and I, I think they, they honestly believe that that's, that's the way that they do things and they'll do that. That is exactly what it is as well. It's that blend of youth and experience and, and more youth than experience. But I mean, another one that I was going to mention was Lasse Scherner. So four days before the Champions League final, he will be 33 years old. Brilliant holding midfielder. I know that's a very fashionable position to be nowadays is this holding midfielder role. Denmark international. So he's partnered with De Jong. So everyone's talking about De Jong, but actually alongside and they have been working brilliantly together and another person to mention more up your street Hayley Daily Blind you know mm-hmm. coming from Manchester United 14.1 million and of course rejoined them 29 so not quite into the 30s club but what, what a rejuvenation he's had. He's obviously just feeling like he's back at home and he's playing like he's back at home. He's comfortable and enjoying life. They're also the first team from outside the big five leagues to reach the semifinals since PSV in 2005. So cue mass hysteria in the changing room there. Goodness me, so much for Juve bringing in CR7 to win them the much-coveted Champions League. The last time Ronaldo wasn't in the final four? Nine years. Yeah, 2010. Spot on. Spot on. All the talk in the British press throughout the week was whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could reproduce a comeback win for United in Barcelona. Yeah, we're all bored of that moment now. But when Lionel Messi's in the mood, you absolutely cannot stop him. United, it's really hard to get the words out here. Barca won 4-0 on aggregate, not helped by a very rare David De Gea error, allowing the ball to squirm underneath him from a spectacular uh, Messi shot. And uh, Gary Lineker quipped on the night that uh, Messi made Phil Jones has turned so much 
his head bandage came loose. I think the thing with Messi as well is just that, you know, is it 45 goals in 43 games, something like that? But he does it season after season. Mm. It's the consistency of scoring that amount of goals. And I don't think anyone can really put that in a comparison to any other player, really. I know that Ronaldo's been up there, but... Yeah, he's just a ridiculous footballer. I mean, just the way he plays. If you you watch him, sometimes you think he's out of the game because he's walking, he's slow, he doesn't look interested, and then bang, next minute, he's just scored past you and you think, how did that happen? You know, it's just a special footballer that that people can watch. And your pal Tony Duggan knows him really well now. I saw that very quickly (laughs) she put a picture on social media with him. Good old Tony. (laughs) You've got to love her. (laughs) Yeah, they're probably best mates. Did you get some tips? I hope so. (laughs) Should we make Making sure they're best mates. Are you Messi or Ronaldo? I'm more Messi just because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Ronaldo's a fantastic footballer. Can probably, they're they're both very different, I suppose, if you were looking at an all rounder that can, you know, head the ball and, you know, shoot free kicks, everything. You'd probably go more with with Ronaldo, but just the way Messi controls the ball and draws people in, makes them think that they can get it and then just takes it away like a dribbler. Mm. He's just ridiculous the way he does it. And I love to watch that. I'll tell you what was the most embarrassing thing, I think, about Manchester United's team that went up against that Barcelona side sorry (laughs) is that three of the back four played in that game against Basel in 2011 together so So are they in need of an overhaul then yeah I mean Mm. that just reflects on the recruitment at Manchester Mm. United doesn't it I mean Phil Jones was embarrassed by Messi embarrassed Mm. by him anyway there you go (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm in the Ronaldo camp. We used to be best mates once back in yeah. the day. It's youngsters. Didn't he United. rescue you from some glass in your hand or Did. something? Once? I fell over really terribly and they all, half the team shouting at me, she fell over, she fell over. I stood up and I had a massive gash in my hand. I was holding a champagne glass. It was a, a celebratory party. <laughs> well, actually, they hadn't won the Champions League, so it was commiserations. It was Prosecco instead of the champagne because they hadn't won. And I was holding the glass whilst having a bit of a dance and I fell on the dance floor I don't know why I was more concerned about not losing the alcohol out of my glass. <laughs> and I still had it in hand and it literally crushed into my hand. So Ben Foster came and helped. Obviously, he's quite good. You know, being a goalie with his hands, he's used to these injuries. But Ronaldo had gone and got his toilet bag and he'd had tweezers in there, funnily enough. And we sat and tweezed <laughs> out the glass and he came and looked after me and helped oh, me bandage up my nose. That was very kind of him. Well, I like him more now. Yeah. yeah. So he's, not that I didn't like him. <laughs> So a reminder then, it is Barcelona up against Liverpool and Spurs will be taking on Ajax. And of course, Hyunmin Song is banned for the first leg. And he was told that on German TV post, he had no idea. And when they broke the news, well, you know, you you won't be playing in the next game. He's thinking, why? Do you know something about the team selection? And obviously he was told he was suspended and he went... I didn't know that and his little face just just sunk. Come on, as a professional, you know these facts, don't you, as you go into a match? Well, it's not all about the men's game, though. It's the Women's Champions League semi-final first legs take place on Easter Sunday. We have Bayern Munich up against Barcelona and Lyon up against Chelsea. Of course, WSL holders. Chelsea never won the Champions League. They've never reached a final, in fact. Uh, Lyon are a team packed full of international stars. They've got England's Lucy Bronze, Izzy Christensen among them and you'd have to think would be very strong favourites to make it through to another final but ladies who are we looking out for in the ties who are the favourites and who can you see going on to a final Rachel? 
you've got to say that Leon are the favourites. But I do think there's something about this Chelsea team. You know, they're, they're kind of the underdogs. They they kind of remind me of of when we won the what well, was UEFA Cup then, but um, in 2007 when no one gave us a hope of, of ever even I suppose getting an attack against Umia. And that was a two-legged final. We went and won the first leg and then defended for our lives in the second one and got got that little bit of luck. So. Against PSG, uh, Chelsea had the luck there and scored the goal and maybe they can go and do that again. I, I think they've they've got nothing to lose. They're massive underdogs. I think the, the Leon side, well, they've won it three years in a row. Uh, you know, the pressure is on them. Can they do it again? But I, I think the Chelsea side, if they look at anything, they'll look at the goalkeeper and, and she can always make a mistake. I mean, I know that when we were playing for England against France and, and Buhadi, you, you'd look at her and think there's always that moment that she's going to do something crazy. And I think Chelsea have got to hold on to that and, and they've got to be brave enough to, to go and give it a go. Mm, I, th- I think the main thing to point out as well when you're talking about these Champions League semi-finals, just to make the comparison between the women's and the men's game is that just because they've got the same sort of team name doesn't mean they're the same sort of team. So Bayern Munich is a great example of that where they're first time semi-finalists. So you, you hear the name Bayern Munich, you probably think, wow, they're going to be like the best team in women's football. That isn't actually the case. Uh, they beat Slavia Prague 5-1 to get here. But I think it will be quite a shock if Bayern Munich get any further than this. I think they've done really well. Um, they are leading in Bundesliga. Barcelona, they're a team also coming through. They're not obvious favourites in this competition like they would be in the men's. It is Lyon who like Rachel said are going for a fourth consecutive Champions Mm. League trophy. They are easily the most experienced out of all of them but with Barcelona you have got Tony Duggan there who's been playing brilliantly. Alexia, not Alexa who you talk to at home but Alexia is a player I would say to watch out for. If you're looking for players as well with the World Cup coming on the horizon, she's brilliant with assists, always in the right spot, always picking out good good, um, passes so I I would look out for her Ada Hegerberg, how can we not talk about her with Leon? Because World Footballer of the Year last year, uh, so far this season, 19 league goals is the top scorer as it stands. Uh, 15 goals in the Champions League. I mean, stopping Chelsea stopping her scoring is going to be very difficult. And another player that, if you're going to watch the World Cup this summer, Japan's captain. She's called Saki Kumagai, midfielder. I would say the best defensive midfielder that is out there in women's football. I don't know whether you'd agree with that, Rachel. I think she's just a tidy player. But having played at Arsenal when we had the you know, two Japanese players, it's just within their culture to play that nice football, one and two touch, being calm on the ball. I'm not surprised that she's like that. And you need somebody in your team that is unselfish enough to get the ball and give it to, without being disrespectful, give it to someone else that can play and cause damage to the other team. And I think she does that really well for Leon. It would be great to see Chelsea do well, but at the moment I would probably think it's looking like it could be a Leon-Barcelona. Well, we'll Um, see if there are any upsets. It's set to be a cracking weekend on Easter. (laughs) <laughs> with some excellent women's football oh, to be played. Oh. I know. Right, we'll talk more Easter shortly. But uh, next up, from Ajax to the Achilles heel of footballers. This is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. As we all know, being a 
pro footballer, pretty tough sport, and you can get injured in a myriad of ways. It's not just the usual metatarsals and cruciate ligament injuries that we're hearing about these days. There are the unusual injuries, the gruesome injuries. Celtic's Ryan Christie found out uh, last weekend against Aberdeen, the Scottish Cup semi-final, that he couldn't recognise himself in the mirror. He went off with his head in a neck brace, suffering multiple facial fractures. He has seen the funnier side of things. He, he had an Instagram. He, he popped on Instagram, I should say, a post saying... Rumour has it we won 3 nil, so he had no idea uh, what was going on. His his face, my goodness, it looks as if he's done around with Anthony Joshua. Now, this was the type of injury that was obviously just picked up on the football field. I've covered games before where I've read out the team news, gone through a formation, tried to figure out tactically how something's going to work. And then you see the teams coming out for the handshakes or an anthem or whatever. You're thinking, hold on a minute, have I got this wrong? There's a player in there that... I hadn't got. Mm. Have I? Have I messed up? Have I read something wrong? And you realise they've they've been injured in the warm up, or yeah. something as stupid as that. One one of the main ones I remember as a reporter was I don't know whether you recall when Jerome Boateng was meant to make his debut for Manchester City many many years ago. Mm. He had an injured knee. Now a little bit more digging to that, you found out that he actually injured his knee by bashing it on an airline drinks trolley. What? <laughs> Which is the sort of injury that I think I would pick up. That's the sort of thing. I mean. We've all been there trying to squeeze by to get to the toilets on an aeroplane, haven't you? Trying to get past the drinks trolley. But yeah, to actually injure your knee in the process um, made me (laughs) chuckle a little bit. But that was more of one that I, I remember at the time. Also, just looking around, I, I thought, oh, for Hayley, I'm going to look at Scottish football for once because I never, ever give Scottish football examples. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to now because Sam Henderson, Queen of the South goalkeeper, he injured his shoulder. I think this was last season. Okay. And he, that was because he was struck by a runaway cow on his dad's farm. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was When I was covering the old firm game, the whole of the advertising hoardings fell down, much to the sponsors and advertisers upset because it was the one side that was electronic they all completely fell flat and they're quite big heavy pieces of equipment and I just suddenly looked down and there was half a person underneath it 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 completely knocked out one of the stewards obviously it was all kicking off on the pitch to the point it didn't really get mentioned we kept an eye that this person was was stretched off I'm hoping that they were okay but they were completely taken out by this uh, advertising uh, boarding now we've covered these crazy injuries before as well, haven't we, Lindsay, when we've looked at uh, previous uh, podcasts and found some really good examples of some of the sillier ways to have got injured. Uh, Have you ever been injured doing something kind of non-football that has stopped you from playing football? Myself and Sue Smith were always roommates and we were always doing something very random and silly. I'm sure that one of us would probably, if we put our heads together, have a story. Leanne Sanderson one year when we were in an FA Cup final the day before, she'd eaten a prawn sandwich and, oh, um, oh. yeah, got an allergic reaction. <gasps> so uh, the morning of the uh, FA Cup final, I shouldn't laugh, but um, she came down and it's one of those awkward moments where you know where someone doesn't look themselves, but no one <laughs> wants to say it. And everyone's like, you're right, Luan, you all right? And then poor um, Anita Usante, who was her uh, roommate, had maybe hit her in the night or something because her face was huge. <laughs> but, yeah, she was, uh, she was in the right state, but she still went out there and played. Oh. I don't know how she could even see the ball to to be honest, her eyes were really puffy. Oh. But yeah, so that, that I mean, she, obviously it's not an injury, but but it, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly affected play, didn't yeah, it? Very true. I've got such a list here. I'm not going to go through it all because I'll be getting married next summer. Would have been this summer, but um, 
I wouldn't be able to squeeze into a dress or even fly abroad to my destination being pregnant. And of course, you will be soon as well, Lindsay, at some point when mm. you finally pull your finger out I and know. start making some plans and give mm-hmm. us a date. Uh, so I have a wedding ring related injury. Paolo Diogo, Swiss international, got injured celebrating and had to have his finger amputated because of celebrations and this was because it was his wedding ring and he'd only been wearing it for a few days he'd been married four days before this match so he was high on life everything was going well we've all grabbed our rings I know I know and unfortunately he got his ring caught and it swelled up so much that he had to have his uh, his ring amputated writhing around in in agony it was ripped off picture it yeah. Gruesome, Game of Thrones style. Yeah. Getting into all that gore. And uh, yeah, the rest of it had to be taken off. And the stewards ran around trying to look for parts of his finger. Oh, we've just been shown by Abby, our producer Abby, an image. Oh, dear. Oh, my gosh. And also, looking at that, I've just been looking at what you've uh, been talking about. Do you know that he was he was booked for excessive celebrations? What? <laughs> he was After actually that? booked as well. You are kidding. So when you see footballers with white tape around their rings, you know why. It's because they don't want to take them off because, of course, they're happily married and you know, they've got that bond and they want to keep their ring on. They don't want to lose it either. You were talking about a wedding ring here. Look at what we actually witness. I mean, some of them play in diamond stud earrings and they True. play in necklaces True. and all sorts of attire. Absolutely. Should be banned. It was in PE classes. I hope you don't let the London bees play in jewellery. No, but usually the refs are really strict. Mm. Um, you know, I know that what one ref in the World Cup was in the change rooms, checked all the jewellery and then checked people's fingernails and made people cut their fingernails shorter. That was literally so, um, like high school netball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I don't know how the guys get away with it, to be honest. So there was a Scottish Cup at the weekend, heading into a final and there were semi-finals as well, of course, in the Women's FA Cup. So, Lindsay, tell us who's in the final. How did they get there? So West Ham ladies are in the final. They beat Reading. That was the game that went to penalties. Mm. I have to say, plaudits to Matt Beard. He's assembled this team pretty much, hasn't he? And Mm -hmm. for a first season under his stewardship... They've gone all the way to the final. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, at the beginning, they didn't have a massive squad. I know they brought players in and, and obviously they were hit with some injuries and they've got players back fit. So, no, I think you have to give them credit. They, they've, uh, you know, they've they've worked hard. They've seemed like they've got themselves together and they've got to a final, which probably nobody expected them to get to. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big task and a big test to, to play against Man City in the final. But, um, but yeah, why not? I mean, they have the support that they're underdog. Yeah, and you mentioned that Man City. For Chelsea, devastating because it was a horrible own goal that meant that Manchester City got there. I'm sure that Chelsea are going to be saying we're concentrating on other things like we were talking about earlier at the Women's Champions League semi-finals. But you have to feel for them a little bit. But Man City, I think, overall deserve to be there in that final. Yeah, I think it was a difficult one because Chelsea looked like they, they had the better chances and probably feel absolutely gutted that they haven't haven't gone to the final. So, um, you know, but I think that's the quality of the Man City side is that when they need to dig in and stay tight and stay together that they they do have the players that can do that and yeah it's unfortunate obviously anyone scoring scoring an own goal and the way it went in you you don't want to win like that and you definitely don't want to lose like that mm. but um but it happens and um you know man city they've got their little bit of luck there and now they're on to the final I'm, and a little bit of class from Jilly Flaherty uh, West Ham ladies did you see the post that she did on social media and she contacted uh, Chelsea on I think it was via Facebook Chelsea fans and just 
just said to them, because obviously that was her former club, mm-hmm. saying, please come to the final and please still support us. I thought that was really nice touch from her. Mm-hmm. Why not Bank Holiday Monday, though? Yeah, oh. I so the women's teams are playing the same days that the men's teams are playing. Yes. So why not shine an individual spotlight on them? And it's traditionally been on Bank Holiday yeah. Monday, well, the Easter Monday. So why? I don't get it. Why and do you I've think they've done so, that? I've seen so many people posting as well saying, I've got tickets to the women's FA Cup final, but can't go because they're a fan of the men's team. And you just think oh. they want to be there. They want to take their family. They want to support the women. But this scheduling issue has meant that they actually now can't. It, it was tradition, though, and it was something in the calendar that it was always Bank Holiday Monday. And... Um, I suppose it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, it's a special day having it, Bank Holiday Monday. You don't have to have it as a, as a kind of, well, it's not an evening game, but like a five, do you know what I mean? It's a semi-evening game. So all fans from Manchester, it's difficult for them to come down and go back mm. in, in a day. So Bank Holiday Monday, put it on at a, a better time. I'm sure you would have got more people there, much more people. You played in many a final. So was your reward afterwards in the dressing room? <laughs> was, was it Easter eggs? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but Vic, Vic used to bring us Easter eggs all the time um, on the bus. He, yeah, that's something that he'd always he'd always bring. Uh, he never handed them out. See, for the, the promise of a mini egg, I would probably play <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> True. True. A giant lint for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yum. Okay, well, let's just finish up by um, rounding up women's football by saying it's not all bad news for Manchester United this week. I had to get this in, of course, because the men's team, they might have crashed out of the Champions League. The women's side, coached by Casey Stoney, have been promoted courtesy of a 5-0 win over Aston Villa. That was on Wednesday evening. Five different scores there as well. So the Manchester derby is coming to the WSL. So, yeah, doubleheader, anyone? Yes. Right, time for some holiday fun next. We're getting ready for Easter. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. When I first got into this, I was worried about bad reviews and then I realised it didn't hurt. But I say thank you to the nice ones. On my Sky Planner, you will see things like wheeler dealers, the world's most luxurious airliners. <laughs> it's Mr. Saturday Night himself. It's Sam O'Leary. Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore and Mark Jeffries. There are 20 clubs in the Premier League, as we all know. But last Easter, 11 of those clubs had completely different managers. It's this more is more than half. It's ridiculous, isn't what it? What a turnaround. What a merry-go-round. Who are they? Where are they now? And who have they been linked with? And this is quite spectacular when you run through the list of these managers and try to find out what they're actually doing now a year on. Should I run you through the list? Yeah, go on. OK, so Arsene Wenger was at Arsenal. Doing a lot of TV work now. He's a yeah. like, big TV pundit in France, isn't he? So he is not in a coaching role, not in a managing role. He's on telly. Chelsea and Antonio Conte. Returning to Juventus, I would say, is going to be the next thing, isn't Possibly. it? I mean, he's in talks there. I think that's probably yeah. going to happen. Big Sam. At Everton? I think, given anyone who was listening to the first podcast where you revealed that you were in a hot tub with him in Dubai, he seems to be out there doing being sport quite a bit, yeah, so he could Doha, be in a hot yeah. tub or a jacuzzi. Could be. Probably is. <laughs> Huddersfield had David Wagner. I think no he'll, idea where I he is. I think he will return to management. And I hate to say it because I know that we have mutual friends who know, and I really like him as well, Chris Hewton, but... Do you think that potentially Wagner... I know that you were going to do that. Wagner to Brighton could happen. No, I want Chris to stay forever. Claude Puel, a Leicester. 
He'll pop up in France, but I don't think he will manage. Do you think he'll manage in England again? He's just... His coaching wasn't bad, but he was just a dull bloke, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he didn't, he, <laughs> he didn't get a good prep from the re- media, did he? No. One man who actually turned out a bit dull, didn't used to be, though. The special one is just the the magic one. There's this magic act he's got on right now where he's just completely disappeared. <laughs> I mean, well, no, he hasn't. He was yeah, seen at Fulham, Fulham Everton, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. he? So, he so was it to watch Fulham or Everton? Who knows? <laughs> Gosh. Mark Hughes at Southampton. He's going to struggle to get a Premier League job, so he needs to get his yeah. head around the fact that he's going to have to manage a championship side. Mm. Stoke, Paul Lambert. Well, Paul Lambert's at Ipswich, isn't he now? So, yeah. They've been relegated. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see what happens there. At Swansea, Carlos Calvajal, who's just written a book, actually. So he's, he's been spending time writing books. He, he left me a signed copy when he came <laughs> in as a guest on Transfer Deadline Day on Sky Sports. And apparently, so I was like, wow, he's actually brought me in a book. He'd written a really lovely note. Did he write something in the inside scene? Yeah, he did. And it was personalised. And then I realised he'd brought in a box. And he was, <laughs> he, was, he was handing them around the office. And kind of every broadcaster and radio station he goes to, he would take his book and leave. It. I know yeah. he's a good manager, but I think he should leave management behind and he should just go into public speaking because I just love interviews with Carlos yeah. Calvajal. Do you remember really all those lovely press conferences he did? And then recently, I think in a in an interview with someone, he likened Benfica, which are of course Portuguese giants, to Sheffield Wednesday, which I thought that they might be picking picking holes with that comparison, mm. maybe. Well, this book is about developing a know-how, the philosophy, a game model, specific exercises, and randomly. The Besictus Morphocycle. Haven't got to that section yet. Oh. <laughs> Had to Google what Morphocycle meant. Moving on, West Bromwich Albion, Alan Pardew. Just, he was sacked on the 2nd of April. Easter was the 1st, but we'll count that down. It's the whole of the Easter weekend. And at West Ham, David Moyes. Only Paul Lambert has a job out of that lot. Who'd have thunk it? Who, and I know. And then you think about, well... Fast forward another 12 months, next Easter, mm. who's going to be happening? Who's still going to be in a job? My big question is, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still going to be no. at Manchester United? Really? I, well, no, actually, he might still just about be. But if you said to me three Easter's time, for the, for the duration of his contract, no. He won't be there okay. for the whole of his contract. I but think. they'll let him buy in the summer and rebuild, hopefully. They should. I mean, they've put him in the position. They, they need to back him. So who knows who's going to be in a job this time next year? Will over half the managers be gone? I really hope be a that Nuno's turnover? still at Wolves. You love him now, don't you? Well, you I, fell I, out with I, him the I, other week. I did criticise him for the first time, but of course I, I do love him so much. In fact, I was even going to liken <laughs> earlier on, and I didn't do it. I was going to liken Ajax to Wolves earlier on in our chat when we were talking Champions League, because I was going to say that the Ajax mm. for the Champions League are what Wolves have been for the FA Cup, and I hope they go further, because what Wolves did is they knocked out all the big teams. So we got rid of Liverpool, we got rid of Man United, and then, of course, lost to Watford and have opened the doors, and I hope that doesn't happen for Ajax. They got rid of Madrid, they got rid of Juve, and I hope that they go on and actually you lift the trophy now. You're not calling Tottenham a big team? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, for all the Spurs fans out there, I am. This comes courtesy of Kate Borsay, and she definitely needs to start learning not to be working on holiday. Kate, Lossiemouth FC. Now, do you remember the other week we were discussing on the podcast why there were delays in games? There was the deer poo on the pitch in the Highlands mm. game in Scotland, and it was delayed, and the referee got stuck in traffic. Well, this week, the game was temporarily delayed while the referee spewed 
in the centre circle. <laughs> nice. That's right. And Trust I, Kate to find this one. We like a sound effect every now and again, but I think Abby's drawn the line at the spewing in this one. All I'm thinking is the green-faced emoji. Oh. I use that one a lot. And uh, what about this? Raphael van der Dart. This is brilliant. Yeah. So I actually thought, is this for real? Is he really playing ducks? But he, he's got like an entry-level competition, yeah. hasn't he? So obviously the Dutch are known for um, their sporting prowess, the hockey. Yep. Yeah. So he, he's going to be making his official tournament debut <laughs> in the BDO Denmark Open in uh, Esberg next month. His brother Fernando is also going to be playing at the event on the 4th and 5th of May. So Ooh. Fernando and Raphael van der Vaart sounds like, you know, your traditional footballing names, but no, they're darts players now. There you go. Yeah, he'll be known as Van der Dart. Mm. I actually was reporting on the radio for the first time that darts was on radio. It was on Radio 5 Live 1 at Alexandra Palace on New Year's Day a few years ago. How they tried darts it. Work well, on they tried radio. it on radio and they loved it so much and now it's all over the place, you get it. But I, I was I was doing reporting on it and they send you into the area which is cornered off where all the celebs and VIPs go mm. to watch the darts. And there was Carl Frotch and Ronnie O'Sullivan. Oh. And they both love their darts. So I went up to them and got them to do a bit of commentary each uh, with cool. the commentators on the day. Who have London Bees got next? We've got Sheffield on Saturday. So yeah, yeah, be a, be a tough game. They're a good side and they've, they've been had a good run. So uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. There we go. Thank you very much indeed. It's been wonderful having you on, Rachel. Thank you. Tell all your friends and family about us. Uh, have an Easter listening party if you want to as well. Hit the subscribe on your various devices. Make sure you get each episode as soon as it's launched every week. You can leave us a five-star review as well. There's no other option there on Apple Podcasts and we'll uh, read out the best and the nicest. Uh, in the meantime, be sure you following us on twitter and also instagram it's offside rule pod for both and check out the website as well offside rulepodcast.com for all the latest articles and uh, musings so until next time a very happy easter the offside rule is a muddy knees media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddyneesmedia.com Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.